0: What's up, everybody? You're listening to the Pod, Sean, Ramchand, I'm and here with you, joined by Rohan Naranjan on yet another NFL podcast. We are also joined by uh, a Seahawk fan himself, Nihar. More What's up, Nihar?
1: Yes, sir. How you been, Sham?
0: <laughs> good, good, good. I'm really happy that you are on this podcast. We are doing something a little bit different um, with these NFL podcasts. Now, the season's kind of kicked in gear. Rohan had a great idea to kind of incorporate more bay area based news i guess you could say you know a lot of our viewer audience are 49er fans um so i guess it's bittersweet that we bring on a seahawk fan as our first guest Um, but this podcast episode um it's going to run weekly and it's going to be focused on just 49er football so, um, you know, great stuff. Hopefully you guys are going to enjoy the content moving forward. And I thought that it's, you know, it's, it's not, not a better week to start it off with the 49ers home opener coming up this Sunday.
2: Definitely, definitely. Sean. I'm glad we're starting this new segment. I think it's going to be you know, very informative, very fun for a lot of you know, 49ers fans who listen to our podcast regularly. Um, just real quick, Nihar, why are you a Seahawks fan, bro? <laughs> I
1: don't know. The moment I just saw a Russell Wilson something, I think I just fell in love with- <laughs> His style, I just think, like, that kind of, like, style, like, really, like, I guess, like, I I, guess I fell in love with it, you can say. And, like, okay. I've never seen, like, any other quarterback go through what he's gone through. Like, he's short, he's he doesn't play behind a great offensive line, but he still manages to get wins every time. So, it's just, like, that never-give-up attitude, like, given all the odds. So, uh, he's also, like, one of my role models as well, so. <laughs> Fair I, think, I think there was a guy
0: named drew breeze but that's fine yeah. that's a topic for another day it's a topic for another day but Rohan more importantly instead of asking why Neahar is a Seahawk fan I think we should be asking ourselves why did we invite a Seahawk fan as a guest to this 49 pod
2: I agree um, yeah, the first one too
0: <laughs> right but but I mean you know it's it's fine I, I'm a Packer fan for god's sakes you guys are playing playing my team this week um but without further ado, um, I think that, you know, th- this is just an awesome timing to do the podcast because um, of the news I kind of dropped this week about some tension brewing with Kyle Shanahan and Matt LaFleur. It kind of boiled over on draft night, apparently, um, kind of leaked in during this a very long offseason. I feel um, more on Green Bay side than than San Francisco, especially with All this Aaron Rodgers trade drama and stuff. So, of course, you know, I want to just get right into it. We know this on surface level, like the 49ers tried training for Aaron Rodgers on draft night. So, you know, what, what, I guess just what's your guys' gut reaction to that? First of all, when hearing the news, I guess if you kind of, you know, go, I mean, I was in Cleveland when that happened on, on draft day and I was getting in this news. I was like, I was like, what's going on? And I was honestly looking at the draft picks and everything, and I was like, I was like, okay, Aaron's probably not going to the Niners, but there was a lot of buzz around the Raiders and the Broncos, and I knew Denver was picking. Um, I think it was at nine. I might be wrong on that. They were they were picking in the in the bottom bottom uh, area of the top ten, and I was like eyeing that pick. I'm like, is that going to Green Bay? Is Aaron Rodgers getting traded? So I was stressing out as Pac Man, but. You know, what's going on through your guys' head is, well, obviously a Seahawk fan, but um, Rohan, more importantly for you, though.
2: You know, Sean, I remember hearing about this news, you know, Aaron Rodgers kind of wants out on draft day, and I was just absolutely stunned. I mean, I couldn't, honestly couldn't believe it. I was like, is this dude really going to get traded, you know, on the day of the draft? More importantly, maybe to the Niners. I knew that, you know, Malifar is like a smarter person than that to trade, to trade you know, their, their quarterback to an NFC rival. There's no way they were doing that. I was like, you know, but there were rumors that this was going to happen. So I was like, is this dude actually going to change teams like right before the draft even happens? It would have it been absolutely shocking. Um, we knew that there was tension between him and the front office, but ultimately nothing happened. But we know that this is probably 99% going to be Rodgers last year in Green Bay, um, just with how he like worked his contract out in the off season, um, and all of the rumors to that. So, you know, it was, it's an interesting story. And now it's re- resurfacing with all this tension between Malifor and Kyle Shanahan.
1: You know, I'm not really surprised that Aaron Rodgers like, could have been traded to the Niners because he's always, I, when he, in 2005, you know, the infamous draft, right? When Alex Smith got picked number one and Aaron Rodgers slid right all the way to 20. Totally. Absolutely. I so, feel like, right. I feel like I felt I that maybe like the Packers could have, like, might have fulfilled one of his wishes for him to always play in the Bay Area because, you know, he's been in Green Bay for so long and they respect him so much that they might trade him to a team which he's always wanted to play for. So I think maybe that could have also been a factor. Plus, of course, everyone knows that Jimmy G is unreliable in terms of health. So you can't really count on him to play a full 16-game season. Even though I like Jimmy G, he's one of my favorite quarterbacks, even though as a Seahawks fan.
2: One of your favorite quarterbacks. Yeah,
1: he's he's one of my favorite quarterbacks. I, f- I feel like a lot of Niners fans sleep on, him, sleep on him. Like, he gets way too much hate. Like, even though he may not be flashy, he, get, he gets you wins. Like, almost every time he steps on the field, the Niners win, so okay.
2: I, I hate when people say that because a win is not a quarterback stat, bro. Like people yeah. always say, you know, when Jimmy's on the field, they win games. But how much is that really is related to the run game? How much of that is related to the defense? You know, like the yeah. offensive schemes that Kyle Shanahan runs. You know, he's made quarterbacks like Nick Mullins and CJ Beathard like a couple years ago look serviceable. You know, that's the kind of offensive scheme that Shanahan has. So how much of that is on Shanahan and the defense as well, compared to how much of it is on Jimmy? Jimmy is just. He's. I don't think he's a bad quarterback. He's just very inconsistent and very average, and we've discussed this before.
1: See, the thing is, like, I think the year before the 49ers made the Super Bowl, they practically had the same team, I think, except without Nick Bosa and Debo Samuel. And it was just, like, a bunch of backups playing, right? It's like when Kittle had one of his career years with, like, three different quarterbacks. So then I think you just put, like, a healthy Jimmy G on there with those two guys, and they went 13-3. and Yeah, like, the defense definitely deserves the majority of credit. They were, like, the number one defense pretty much all year. But, like, I felt like Jimmy G really set the tone in terms of, like, how to, like, pace pace himself throughout the game. Like, also, like, made, he was also number one in third down conversions, I think. So, like, something like that. I read some stat like that. So, he made some pretty critical throws when it mattered most. So, I think he was that guy who was able to, like, game manage pretty much. He was the best quarterback to sort of game manage and run Kyle Shanahan's offense. So, I think he does get a little too much hate, but definitely Aaron Rodgers is obviously way more of an upgrade. And with his health, you know, like you can't really like depend on him to be on the field at all times.
0: No, of course. I mean, I think that, I think that the thing about Jimmy Garoppolo is that he's good enough. Like that, that's where you cut it for him. Like he is good enough to win a football game. He's good enough to get your team above 0.500, but it's just a matter of closing out. I'm again, you know, the fact that they made the Bowl like, I'm not going to discredit Jimmy Garoppolo from that season, but the thing is that I believe in what the two most important games of the year in the divisional round and the championship game, the championship game, he had what, less than 10 throws against Green Bay. Some of that, like it's, it's absurd. I mean, he literally just sat back and chilled like was just handing the ball off. Yeah, so we
2: could have done it, bro. Like honestly, like we could have gone on the field and done the same thing. So <laughs> honestly,
0: honestly, but um, not to describe him way too much over there, but, you know, cutting back to, you know, all this draft day drama, Aaron Rodgers and, you know, Green Bay, obviously this riff had kind of been brewing all year long. We really don't know the root cause, I'd say, because there have been there's so many stories buzzing throughout the offseason. But I think the most obvious one could have been, you know, Jordan Love getting drafted, even though Rodgers will not admit it. I feel like that is you know, what kind of pushed it to the limit. Um, but ultimately, we are, you know, kind of diving back over here. And Aaron Rodgers wanted the Packers to take the 49ers offer on draft night. And he was also convinced that he was going to be a Niner, with the, like the way that things were going. Um, but before I get into this story um, that Michael Silver provided from NFL Network, a couple days ago you guys got any last things you want to say about uh, i mean not really
2: I, I mean i knew that i heard I, re- I remember hearing that rogers thought the night before the draft that he was going to be a 49er the next day um mm-hmm. and it all came out you know that thursday of the draft you know as me as a 49er i was like absolutely freaking out i was like is this dude actually gonna like we're super bowl bound if this guy's our quarterback like he's like the missing piece honestly um but yeah go ahead Sean. i want to hear more about it
0: okay so I'm going to break down the story for you guys and feel free to interject any time along the way if you got any thoughts, but here it goes. Okay, story time for all you listeners and my one Niner fan and Seahawk fan on this podcast. So here it goes, all right? So minutes before the start of the draft, okay? 49ers offense coordinator, Mike McDaniel, he was on a FaceTime call in his office and he was actually talking with Robert Sella, and Mike LaFleur. Mike LaFleur is, of course, Matt LaFleur's younger brother of the Green Bay Packers. And he joined Robert Sala's coaching staff with the New York Jets. And, of course, Sala and LaFleur were previously assistants for Kyle Shanahan in San Francisco. Now, they both were in, you know, obviously their office in New Jersey, now with the New York Jets. They're on the FaceTime call with McDaniel. Now, McDaniel's office door was open and some other 49er coaches walked in, and there was playful banter exchanged on both sides. Now, shortly after, the man of the hour, Kyle Shanahan, enters McDaniels' office, and he chimes into the conversation. Now, keep in mind that this Aaron Rodgers news, it had broken just hours before this phone call had happened, because this is minutes before the NFL draft, and reports were out that the 49ers had actually called and inquired about Aaron Rodgers, and that Phone call was likely between Kyle Shanahan and Matt LaFleur. So the Jets, who had the number two pick in the draft that night, they were expected to take BYU quarterback Zach Wilson, which is what happened. But before that pick happened, Shanahan, who was picking at number three for the Niners, he joked to Robert Sala and Mike LaFleur. He said, I hope you guys don't take a different quarterback and cross this up. We haven't looked hard enough at Zach Wilson. Then Mike LaFleur replied and said, "What do you mean? You've already got your quarterback, Aaron Rodgers." Oh man, bro. Wow. So, I'm gonna stop over there. We're gonna get into the rest of it, but that's I, I like I, I, don't know. Like it's it's kind of it's kind of weird, especially coming from the younger brother of the Packers head coach. First of all, saying it, um, I will continue by saying that. Shanahan, he said, he, he tried to brush it off as a joke when uh, Michael LaFleur said that. Um, and then he said, uh, and he jokingly said, he was like, hey, tell your brother, Matt, to call me back. He's not been returning my calls. And then Michael LaFleur said, um, yeah, can you blame Matt? You know, he, he hasn't arms. so can you blame him? So at this point, apparently several people familiar with the phone call were within the room or in the vicinity, they saw that Shanahan got visibly upset on the FaceTime call, and he just hastily left the room. Wow,
2: I mean, <laughs> yeah, yeah. When when they interviewed Shanahan uh, earlier this week about you know that phone call and you know what was what what went on between him and Lafleur, and he basically said you know it was a due diligence call. He was just doing his diligence, seeing if if Aaron Rodgers was available. But after hearing that story, it seems like there was way more you know depth into it and it was a lot more you know kind of like trying to get Rogers to come to the Bay I think that is what Lafleur was upset about all this time where he thought basically Shanahan was trying to steal Rogers from him. you know like John Lynn Shanahan kind of talking in ear. ears like yo come to the Bay Area like, yo come to the Bay Area like I mean it clearly wasn't just a diligence call like they I think they did a lot more than that
1: I think the fact that they were like this close to getting him like Shanahan like obviously brushing it off but you know in his mind he's like oh my god like Aaron Rodgers is right there. I just feel like that also like plays into his into his mind because like you could kind of see like he's kind of been like iffy about Jimmy G as oh, well. So like hundred percent. I mean
0: you don't trade up to number three pick to not get a quarterback first of all, on the draft. And the fact that they got a quarterback just revalidated the fact that Jimmy G is not the future um, in San Francisco. But yeah, sir, go ahead, continue what you're saying.
1: Also, I wanted to say like something earlier. I think your previous question, I think, on why Rogers wanted out. I think also like it not it's not about not just the Jordan love pick, but also kicking a field goal on the on the fourth and goal instead of going for the tie oh, yeah. and the two-point Here's conversion. The
0: thing, I hundred percent agree with that. One 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 thousand percent agree. But the thing to me that really has not been making sense is that. The one person that has stick by Rogers' side throughout this entire offseason, and Rogers have been advocated for it by posting on social media, like good comments and stuff, is Matt LaFleur. So that's what's kind of, you know, mind-boggling to me. And the thing is that if you are in a game, let's keep in mind, Rogers won MVP this past season. He's the reigning NFL MVP. It's his third award. When you have accolades like that and I know that for sure when Matt LaFleur was hired, he knew he was coming into Aaron Rodgers' team. You know, like, you know that. So the thing for me is that when you are in an in-game situation like that, I have to believe that, like, did Aaron not say, I want to go for it? And if he did, if he did, like, I want to give Matt the benefit of the doubt to be like, to say, yeah, let's do it. You know, you don't, you don't reach the NFC Championship two seasons in a row by accident, all right? Um, if they do do it this year, that would be the third season. That would be amazing. But just, it was something different about last year. It was also Raj's first home NFC Championship game. You know everything's on the line there. Like I, I find it so damn hard to believe that you don't even have a slight conversation about that if Aaron said anything in the moment um obviously looking back on a hindsight you know everything's 2020 in hindsight so
2: i mean i think you know that might have been you know maybe not the starting point I, I think there's always tension between Rogers and management maybe not with lefleur but definitely with okay. the executives i agree with that but like that was a big play and you know i remember when he was on jeopardy um during the off season yeah. and, uh, <laughs> i don't know if you guys saw that like the guy who you know wrote, didn't know the answer to final jeopardy just wrote like you know something about the field goal Um and Rogers kind of like laughed. He seemed a little annoyed at the answer, you know, like kind of like about that. Um, but you know, I mean, I'm I would I would be pissed too. Like if if I don't know if this happened, like you said, Sean, I don't know if it happened, but if Rogers wanted to go for it and LaFleur said, No, we're we're kicking the field goal, like I would have some animosity animosity towards my head coach like that too. Like I'm I'm a reigning MVP, you're not letting me go for it to for a chance to go to the Super Bowl. Like, like there has to be some kind of conversation with that too, which is Kind of what what built the tension this offseason between Rogers and the rest of the Packers. Yeah,
0: before Nihar, before you jump in over here, I would just like to add that um, you know, going off that point, you know, you made a great point, Rohan. Like if if LaFleur said no or kind of like showed that authority over Rogers in that situation, you'd have to think that he should be very, very mad at LaFleur too, to be like, I don't have calling this. I just saw recently on his Instagram story, I want to say a couple weeks ago. He put a picture of him and LaFleur and they're like smiling and he captioned it. They said, we wouldn't get along with the heart. And like by they, obviously he means media on the outside people. So again, the only person I feel that's advocated for Rogers to stay in that's kind of assured him, like, I want you here. You are my guy is the head coach. And that is most certainly the most important relationship in that locker room right now, the head coach and the quarterback.
1: I don't know I feel like maybe like he's trying to like say that to like brush off on the drama because there's something I feel like there's something definitely going on between those two and like even if like like Rogers is not gonna make it like blatantly obvious like he has like certain tensions with people like I feel like he's sort of like a cold guy in a way where like if he like has some grievances or whatever he's going to make it really subtle like he's not going to like yeah yeah
0: exactly no see it's, it's great that you bring that up because i was only about to say like speaking on instagram stories, do you guys not remember when Devonte adams and aaron rogers they went to their instagram story and they put the last dance pic of michael jordan scotty pippen like that's them being cryptic that's them sending a message and the fact that rogers literally go out of his way like like believe me when i say this like aaron rogers is not your swaggy quarterback tom brady is the guy that's like on social media. He's trying to get hip with it. You know what I'm saying? Like he's always been like that since I want to say second to last season in New England, Aaron Rodgers is not your typical social media guy. He's not the guy that's posting week after week. Like, Oh, let's go. Let's get this win. Let's do this. Let's do that. He's never been that guy. And I feel like as a fan, when I'm watching that, when I'm watching him now on social media, more on Instagram stories, especially that he's engaging with us, it's, it's getting me to think, like, I'm like, oh, my God, like, this is really the end of his time in Green Bay. Like, that's what I'm thinking about. Because I think he's literally documenting what is going on, and this is it. Like, I think he wants to give fans in Green Bay a nice farewell, but this is how he's doing it.
2: Yeah, it's definitely cryptic for sure. It's not something you usually see from Rodgers. I think, you know, people, people sometimes have, especially this offseason, have called him a diva. Um, I don't know if I completely agree with that, but, you know, He's kind of always been in that mix where he won't go quietly, you know, like if he has an issue with it, like he's going to speak his mind like, you know, he had problems with, you know, the GM of the Packers for so long. And like they tried to they tried to fly out to see him. He said no, you know, like there was a time during the soft season where people weren't sure that he would be starting for the Packers in week one. You know, there was like real questions even after the draft. So, I mean, I think we all know this is probably going to be his last season in Green Bay um, and it's just going to be one hell of a year.
1: Yeah, I don't know. I just think like Rodgers, like he he does his own thing and he has every right to do his own thing because he's been carrying the franchise for so long. And like the fact that sometimes some of his demands haven't been met, like getting a good a second wide receiver to help Devontae Adams as well. So lays the burden off that. Like, like when he took Jordan Love instead of taking like a receiver. Or I think when he took when they took another running back. I think th- those things like play in his mind a little bit, but he's not gonna like, you know, like make it really obvious that he's he's not satisfied with that. So I, I think- still think that they have to, I guess they have to cave into a lot of his demands. I feel because as being a veteran, being an MVP, being a Super Bowl champion, like he deserves that right.
0: Oh yeah, hundred percent. Like I, I hundred percent agree with that. Um, but you know, going going back to. This riff I feel between Shanahan and Lafleur, like based on whatever phone call that they had. Um, the 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 weird part about it is that Shanahan like is literally calling it like he sees it, you know, like he he merely like was just calling as a due diligence because it's like when Aaron Rodgers is rumored to be minutely available, you're gonna go, you're gonna call, you know, you want to know what's up. Um, but I think Matt Lafleur viewed that very differently. In the the reason why is because I think, you know, Aaron Rodgers and, you know, the 49ers GM John Lynch, they shared the same agent and David Dunn. And so that contributed to the idea that Matt LaFleur probably thought this was a coordinated effort on the 49ers behalf to, you know, orchestrate a plan to get Aaron to, to the Bay. So I think that that's, that's you know, where Matt's coming from. And that's where Kyle's coming from. I think that it's just, they both, I feel like they both are very justified in where they stand because, you know, I, you can't blame Kyle, like any other head coach to say, you know, like, what's up? Like, again, like it's, it's, it's Aaron freaking Rogers. This is a three-time MVP. Um, I feel like teams were doing that, um, you know, to, to, you know, touch upon, you know, the Seahawks fan over here. Teams were doing that a lot in, earlier in the off season with Russell Wilson, like all this random trade buzz came about. People were still calling. They were still laying out offers, and the Seahawks were like, "We're good. You know, like we we don't need to do this." Like same thing in Green Bay. So, um, I think you know ahead of have Sunday night's matchup, they were obviously asked about it, and what happened was that you know uh, Matt Lafleur said that Kyle is still a great friend of his, and he holds you know no ill will towards him.
2: Yeah, I mean, it's kind of it's kind of weird because I think Shanahan Lafleur. Um, are pretty similar coaches in a way. Like Shanahan has that – him and his dad have that coaching tree, I would say. Like, you know, you could say McVay is kind of like a disciple of Shanahan and then Lafleur is a disciple of McVeigh. So it's going to be interesting to see the coaching matchup this week. And I think that's going to be one of the big storylines going into this game.
1: Wait, so you think Matt Lafleur might have been upset because it, it was uh, – they're trying to orchestrate something like behind his back in a way because – Yeah. That that's that's what I really feel like where the tensions coming from, right? Because obviously mm-hmm. Lafleur wants to keep Rodgers. He wants to go for that one last run. You know, it could, it could be because like you know they reach NFC Championship two years in a row. Like they were so close to making the Super Bowl. But yeah. like I think when he found out that maybe it was like his good friend and maybe someone he looks to as a brother, I guess as well.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: That he was uh they were trying to get his quarterback behind his back. I felt like that's where. All attention was brewing. But like yeah. luckily it didn't explode too much where it became like it escalated into a full-blown drama. But yeah. No, there's always I, something fishy going behind the scenes. I just
0: felt like it's it's so weird, like the younger brother of LaFleur <laughs> to say something like, Oh yeah, like you guys got Rogers, like you have him. Like I know it was satirical, but the fact that Shanahan like vividly got like upset, you know. Like that's that's the part that's like very interesting. I think that Shanahan was probably a little bit frustrated that, you know, Green Bay was obviously unwilling to cooperate. Rightfully so, it makes sense why they wouldn't be. Um, but you know, Lafleur did add that you know Shanahan has got a responsibility to everyone within the Niners organization, and that if there's an opportunity to get a guy like Aaron Rodgers, he said that he's not going to hold that against them and that it will have no effect on their relationship. So I think that, you know, now that the football season's kind of like kicked off and we're kind of into it. Um, you know, the two guys, they're very involved with their teams. You know, they're focused on who's on their squad right now. So I feel like that's kind of been downplayed a lot. And um, I think we, we get lost in all this and we forget that Aaron Rodgers is the centerpiece of this. And we need to ask him what he knows about it. And when Aaron Rodgers asked if, you know, if he thought or he hoped that the 49ers would trade for him soft season, he said that there were points where I thought anything was possible. It was definitely there, but it was not a strong possibility. So that's what is also very interesting to me because like a lot of reports that otherwise, because he thought that he was going to be point nine er on drafting.
2: I kind of like how honest he's being, you know, with this kind of stuff. Like we've seen a lot of it this offseason. I think even like Brady, like ever since he left New England, he's kind of like unleashed this new side of him. So it's kind of nice to see, these like kind of older quarterbacks bring out like their personality. Um, but, you know, what is, what does this mean for the game? Like how are we going to preview this? Is, is, is Rogers going to be the key piece here? What, what do you guys think um, are the keys for the
0: 49ers? I'd say, I mean, if, if Aaron Rogers is, is your quarterback, like he, it's it's he's hundred percent, you know, the reason why you would win a football game. Um, and the thing is that for me, I'm not gonna lie to you, I was I was very, very inclined to pick the Niners. Um, you know, i mean, being a Packer fan myself, like I'm very inclined to pick the Niners because they just seem to have, you know, that number on Aaron Rodgers, if that makes sense. Um, they just it just seems to be as kryptonite through the years. If you're playing in Florida or you're playing the 49 Niners, that's that's the two things for Aaron Rodgers. But the thing for me that's that's very interesting is You know, this team, I feel like they've kind of got their groove back. And I understand that they beat the Detroit Lions. It's not the most convincing, you know, team to beat. But there's a difference between going out and beating a bottom tier team and then like dominating them too. Because I'm honestly taking that week one game as as a fluke, as a fluke loss, realistically. Like, Like, come on, we saw the Saints get, you know, absolutely just pounded by the Panthers the following week. So I'm really not convinced the saints were that good to be green Bay um, by that much too.
1: And also like right now, the 49ers are pretty banged up. Like Verrett's gone for the season. I think Greenlaw's gone for a couple of weeks. I don't know. I think D Ford is also.
2: Yeah, D not- Ford Dee Ford's going to play. He's going to play, but uh, he's, he's been healthy this season so far, which is a surprise. Um, but Nihar, you are right. Like the 49ers are banged up um, a little bit, you know, uh, their running backs is just kind of uh kind of crazy right now. I think Elijah Mitchell is was was a starter last week, which is very surprising. He was drafted in the sixth round. Um no one expected him to be, you know, the starter, but now that with Raheem Mostert gone um for the season, you know, he's kind of pushed into that role. Jamichael Hasty, their other running back, is gonna be out for the game. So it's I think they're gonna start Trey Sermon at running back, um, which is gonna be interesting because I think he's gonna finally get those, you know, RB1 carries and the reps, uh, which he hasn't gone these first two weeks of the season. Um, but I think Elijah Mitchell, they might just have to put him in because they're so shorthanded at running back. They did sign Trenton Cannon um, and Jaquez Patrick off the Bengals practice squad. So, you know, I'm like I'm saying, like, these are like – if if you're not like a diehard 49ers fan, um, you're probably not going to know these names just because they've just been picked up in the last week, uh, which yeah. is pretty crazy. So uh, I think the running back thing is always going to – uh be something to look at, but we know that Shanahan has that you know that plug-in running back system where he just puts in whoever's next man up oh, and yeah. you know, they do their thing. So I'm not really worried about that. Um but I I, I did want to just you know just really quick preview the game. The four ers are only three-point favorites even though they're at home. So you know how Vegas works is that the home team always gets three points regardless of who it is. Um yeah. and then and then they base the spread off of that. So that was kind of interesting to me because they're basically saying this game's a pick Like, they didn't give the 49ers an extra point or two, you know, with the advantage. They believe it, it's basically a toss-up, even um, though the 49ers are at home. Uh, so what do you guys think about that? I thought that this is a little bit more lopsided of a matchup, um, favoring the Niners, but I want to hear your thoughts about whether you guys think, you know, this line is too little or, you know, are the Packers being undervalued as well?
1: Oh Yeah, so I think the Packers may be a little bit, undervalued because I think yeah like Sham said like that week one loss like that's never going to happen to them again and like Aaron Rodgers will always adjust maybe it's because they didn't have as much uh, chemistry in the offseason I guess because with all the drama going on so they might have been a little rusty in week one but also I would say that in week like Saints are a top five defense pretty much so I guess I would give them a little credit there and like also like with the Niners being banged up a little bit as well I feel like is this a chance for Rodgers to go out and do his thing?
2: See, the, well, like, the thing is, the Packers are also banged up. They're down to their third string left tackle. You know, David Bakhtiari is out. I think he's on short-term IR. And now yeah. um, Elton Jenkins is also doubtful for the game. He's not expected to play. So I think that's going to be huge, um, especially for the 49ers D-line, which is probably, you know, their best part of their defense. Nick Bosa is going to absolutely get after Aaron Rodgers, you know, with a third string you know, When he when he played uh, Bakhtiari in 2019, he basically destroyed him. And Bakhtiari is one of the best left tackles in the game right now. Um, so if you're coming down to the, your third string left tackle against Nick Bosa, that's something the Packers really need to be concerned about. I think if Aaron Rodgers does not have enough time to throw the ball, it doesn't matter how bad or good the Fortnite secondary plays. If he can't even, he doesn't even have time to throw it to, you know, Devontae Adams or, you know, Alan Lazard, whoever it is. So that's yeah. going to be something to watch out for.
0: No, it's certainly true. And like, I like, I definitely agree with that. You know, like I think, Ron, you're the one that's been like advocating for left tackle position as probably the second most important position in football. You know that you should also pay. Um, but I, I'm not trying to sound like a Nick Bosa hater on any level. I'm a huge fan of him, and I understand what he did to David Bakhtiari. It was we was Week 12 of the 2019 season. I remember. And um, the thing though for me is that. That was also when he was just absolutely dominant force. He, I don't want to say that he doesn't like, I, I actually, he really does not look like the same guy that he was in the rookie season. And that might be because, you know, teams might just be doubling up on him on that left side. Cause he is the blind side guy. Um, I would say green Bay certainly still has reason to worry when you're down to like, just not even your third, but even your second guy at the left tackle position, like it's, you're, you're already playing with fire over there. But the thing for me, though, is that especially last week, what I saw with Aaron Rodgers was a lot more quick releases than I expected, like especially out of the backfield, like with Aaron Jones getting Aaron Jones, like that involved with the offense was like very surprising to me. And like Aaron Rodgers, like his touch ins were just it was just too easy. Like he was literally just tossing like three, four yard balls at the goal line, just spread offense. And that's where, you know, you were kind of saying like how like, you know, Matt Lafleur is kind of like a disciple of the Shanahan line of, you know, play calling and the way that he runs his offense. So the thing for me is that if Aaron Jones gets rolling for this team and, and on top of that too, they don't have cornerbacks. Like who's going to guard Devontae Adams, you know?
2: The thing is, right, Nick Bosa, I don't really agree with you completely that he hasn't been as dominant as his rookie season. He already has three sacks in two games. Um, You know, he might not be getting as many pressures as, you know, Armstead or Kinlaw, but that's probably because, you know, he's getting doubled at the end um, and that kind of allows the other defensive ends to like go get the quarterback, but he still has three sacks in these two games. Um, And when you're facing, it's a third string left tackle. That's something to be really, really worried about. I do agree, though, that if Aaron Jones gets going, it's going to be very hard for the 49ers because so far within two weeks, they've been in the bottom half of the league in run defense. Um, so that is a little concerning, especially since like Nihar said, they don't have like Dre Greenlaw, um, one of their corner, one of their, uh, inside linebackers. And if Rogers ends up extending the play, you know, who's going to guard you're right. Um, Emmanuel Mosley, their top corner right now is expected to play this week. Um, he was, he, he was out with injury for a couple weeks, um, but he's expect- expected to make a season debut. I think they're going to start Josh Norman on the other side, um, and then maybe put like or Lenore in the slot. But I think that that's a little concerning, definitely, if you're a 49ers fan.
1: But also, like, like for 49ers offense as well, they can take advantage of Kevin King. Like, I feel like that matchup, like, they can exploit with Debo. Yeah, 100%.
0: And Debo leads the league in receiving, you know. It's a very sneaky, good matchup for the 49ers, for sure. But the thing that's very concerning for me on the Niner side of the ball is that, you know, in, in the three matchups as head coach, like, Cal Shanahan has outgained Matt Lafleur's like, pack or squad by 54 rush yards per game. But the issue is that 49ers have a very banged-up, you know, backfield right now. I think their backfields are really going to be, I believe it's Elijah Mitchell, Trey Sermon, and now they just upgraded on Johnson um, from the practice squad to the active roster for tomorrow night's game. So the thing for me, though, is that when it comes down to, you know 49ers run game versus Aaron Rodgers' arm like it's it's a no-brainer for me like I mean we know I feel I feel we should know which one we're picking over there um, just based on the fact that I I don't know if I trust a 49er backfield that doesn't have a true number one back see
2: the thing is though the Packers also don't have Zadarius Smith you know one of their best edge rushers so I feel like um, the question is really going to be who guards Debo um, is Jair Alexander going to like kind of like shadow him. Cause uh, I've noticed the Packers, they really, they really never play one-on-one with you know, any of the top receivers. It's usually like a zone coverage. So is, is he going to shadow Debo or is he going to shadow Ayuk? That's another storyline for the 49ers. Brandon Ayuk has had 35, he's run 35 routes um, in two weeks and he's only been targeted twice. You know, yeah. I don't really know what's going on there. I'm very concerned um, as a 49er fan, like, is Brain You can going to break out of his shell and kind of show us what he did last year in his rookie season where he looked phenomenal in only 12 games. Um, but you're right, the running game, we'll see how it goes. You know, I, I think that the 49ers have a top five offensive line in the league right now. So that might help, you know, with, with these new running backs, you know, just coming in because of injury. Um, But what do you guys think about that Ayuk and uh, even Kittle? Kittle only has eight targets um, in these two games. So what do you guys think about that kind of offensive concern for the 49ers? I think that that's going to be a huge, it's going to play a huge part in this game tomorrow.
1: Yeah, so I don't know. People are also saying like maybe Trent Shurfield has beaten Ayuk in like training camp or like he's like also like taken that number, like the second best receiver spot on that team
2: the thing is though right Ayuk was projected to be wide receiver one for this team before pre before camp then in camp something happened I, I mean he 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 did hurt his hamstring which had been bothering him for a while and then last week and the week before you see Kyle Shanahan kind of like giving comments that about uh, Ayuk saying you know he's not he, he didn't do good enough in camp and like you know because of his injury whatever it was but it kind of sounded like he was in Kyle Shanahan's doghouse. I read a lot of articles about how, you know, this might be a big concern. We've seen a lot of players um, during Shanahan's time with the 49ers kind of, like, lose their confidence, lose their mojo because of, like, Kyle Shanahan, you know, either are benching them for, like, disciplinary reasons or whatever it is, and they never really regain their full form. And I'm kind of worried this might happen to Brian Naive. But I think if you're Shanahan, you have to get him involved in the offense at some point to regain that confidence and, you know, show everyone that he really is a wide receiver one. I, I, I don't know. Trent Shurfield, bro, like he could, he barely even made the field with the Cardinals last season. Like, I don't, I mean, I'm sure he's a fine receiver now. Maybe he's improved, but still, like, it's, it's questionable.
0: The thing, the thing is, like, you know, how you were saying, like, Brandon Utes and Shanahan's doghouse or just, you know, bad books, whatever you kind of want to say about that. The thing is, like, like Shanahan, let's in like an interview, he, instead of like undermining a youth more, he kind of praised Sherfield more. Does that make sense? Like, as he said, He's a trench like, yeah, that, that's a guy that's, that's been here, you know, first guy and last guy out. He's been putting in the work like every single day of training camp and he's been noticing it. And the thing is like, he said, he said, it's just a matter of improving for you. He said that he needs to work on the basics. He needs to figure it out, honestly. And I don't, again, I'm not, I'm not, I, I don't, I don't know what to make of it, quite frankly, again, because I don't know if there's some kind of rift going on in the locker room or if Shanahan is not liking a youth in any kind of way for a personal reason, because, because athletic wise, like a youth is really good. Like, I think that he's a freak athlete and it's very surprising to me, a Shanahan West Coast style offense cannot use a guy of his speed, you know, based on the way that he performed in his rookie season, the little glimpses that we saw, like, like, we saw him getting like jet sweeps. We saw him, you know, catching a bubble, hurdling a dude on a way to a touchdown against the Eagles. Like, like this guy has everything that it takes to be, I, I don't want to say a number one receiver, but he can be a very deadly number two. People were saying in the
2: preseason, like, that Ayuk is going to be wide receiver one and Debo is kind of going to take that step back because for a long time, you know, Debo Samuel was kind of used as a gadget guy. I mean, I think now these last couple of weeks, he's been used as an actual receiver, but, you know, in 2019 and even 2020, before he got hurt, we saw a lot of jet sweeps for Debo, kind of a bunch of slants, a bunch of screens, um, and, you know, not really using him as a true wide receiver one. Uh, and people were really thinking that Ayuk is going to take that next step, but I feel like they have to get him involved in the offense more if they kind of want to elevate and, you know, maybe win this game. Even Kittle. I think Kittle only having eight targets and being used as, like, a glorified mm-hmm. offensive lineman. Like, he's been made, he's made more blocking highlights. Than any catches in these last two weeks, which is kind of absurd to me. He loves those
0: pancake blocks.
2: <laughs> he does, bro. But you gotta you, I mean, you gotta use him for who he is as a, as a pass catcher as well. You know, I mean, you're you're limiting the offense if you don't do it. And I think that this is gonna be the first test for the 49ers against this, you know, Packers team, which I their defense is not good. Um, honestly, their defense is not good. They don't have Zadarius Smith either. And even their secondary is gonna be struggling, I think, other than Jair Alexander. They haven't been they've been in the bottom, I think the 25th or 26th defense right now in the league. So it's concerning. Uh, I mean, you you gotta expand the offense if you're Shanahan to beat this Packers team.
1: I do trust Shanahan because like, you know, even though with the with the running backs hurt, like I felt like his scheme can like work for pretty much like anyone that's like pretty fast, I guess, in a way. He's not he's not like a pound for pound, his like system's not like a pound for pound running back type of thing it's more like all those outside zones so like I feel like he can like he's gonna utilize the run game a lot this against this Packers defense because they know like it worked a couple years ago so like I feel like he's gonna utilize the run game a lot more this game I don't know if we're gonna see a lot of Ayuk again this time I just don't see it right now the way things have been going with them but I feel like they're gonna find a way to pull this off just because they're at home you know they're in front of the fans Mm -hmm. and also they've They've had Aaron Rodgers' number for a good amount of time, so.
2: I mean, it's it's the home opener. It's the first game for them, I think, since, like, the November uh, for the fans. So, in November of last season, oh, yeah. we weren't allowed to play because of COVID protocols at Levi's. Um, but this is the first game with fans since January 5th, 2020, which was, as we all know, the NFC Championship um, right yeah. before we went to the Super Bowl. So, I think the place is going to be rocking. It's going to be absolutely electrifying. And now I want to bring up: Do you guys think we're gonna see Trey Lance in this game? That a lot of people are saying this is like, you know, maybe a good time to put him in. You know, bright lights. Um, you know, maybe throw the Packers a little bit off uh, if you know Jimmy starts struggling. What do you guys think?
0: Hundred percent. Like no, nah, like he, he he's gonna play. Like really? they, get, they get they get inside the ten. He's he's coming in. He's coming in. Like um, I got, I don't think it's too crazy to say that um. Like, he's, he's going to have a read option play, and it's, it's going to go for a touchdown.
2: See, the thing is, I don't want him to be used like how Taysom Hill was used last season with the Saints. I don't want him to become this kind of gadget guy. I'm like, I don't think he will be in the long run, but I'm just kind of waiting for when is this transition going to happen between, uh, you know, the passing of the torch from Jimmy to Trey. I think maybe until Jimmy starts being really inconsistent or he gets hurt, Um, but I think it would be exciting to see Trey lands for a couple of plays. Nihar, what do you think?
1: Yeah, so I think I also agree with Sean that it's going to be inside like the 10. And like they might they might use him for maybe like like a one yard line, like a QB sneak, maybe because he's pretty built. And also like what they used him against the Lions. I think he had like a five yard touchdown pass or something. So it kind of threw the entire defense off when they first saw Trey Lance coming into the game. So I think he'll be used for that. But also Jimmy G has been playing pretty well right now. So. I think it's only a matter of time if he gets hurt, then we're going to see him more.
2: He really didn't play well last week, bro. Like, the first half of that Eagles game, he was absolutely awful, honestly. Like, he can't throw outside the numbers. The one thing I will say about him is that he's been extending plays with his legs, which we haven't really been seeing in the last, like, four years. Um, But I don't know. I mean, he's been playing good enough to beat teams like the Eagles and the Lions, but when is it going to be, like, he's playing so mediocre that you can't beat some of the top tier teams, or even the upper elite.
0: Mm -hmm. No, that's the thing. I mean, it's definitely tough, but um, switching back to Aaron Rodgers, though, I do want to get a very brief answer from both of you guys. Do you guys believe the notion of Aaron Rodgers is just bad against Niners, just as a player, as a stat?
2: I don't think he's bad against the Niners per se. I would say that um, you know, they've, there's been a lot of times, like even when Colin Kaepernick was the quarterback for this Niner team, where it was just an absolutely like, electrifying 45 to 31 game. So it's like a shootout. So it's not really that Aaron Rodgers always plays bad against his team. I honestly just think that I don't think it's anything like in his head or anything, Um, but it's usually something like really weird. Like last, uh, last time they played in the NFC championship game, like Raheem Mostert had over 200 yards and four touchdowns. Um, and I think that there's just some things you can't overcome when a team is rolling like that and only throws the ball eight times. So by no means do I think that this is just some like weird mental block for Aaron Rodgers, where he like struggles against his team. Like he puts up the numbers from time to time, not all the time against the team, but you can't deny their defense, bro. Like I, it's just, yeah. yeah.
1: Sure. I just feel like the 49ers like throughout, like have always been able to play him well. It's not anything Rodgers can't do. I feel like 49ers have, like, the right pieces and, like, they have the right schemes for Aaron Rodgers, especially, like, even, like, back in, like, 2012 like, or 2013. I don't know, like, in the Jim Harbaugh days when they had, like, their big front seven, with, like, Justin Smith, Alden Smith, and, you know, Willis and Bowman. So, like, you need, like, a bunch of superstars to pretty much take down Aaron Rodgers on the defensive end. That's what yeah. I think, I guess, has caused his, some of his maybe struggles, you can say, against the 49ers because they've had all those type of players to like match up against someone like Aaron Rodgers but regardless of that he's still going to get his numbers but he may not be as efficient but I still don't think it's a mental block or anything like Rohan said it's just like I just feel like the 49ers just know how to match up against him better so
0: interesting okay so the reason I asked you guys that is because I'm going to read you Aaron Rodgers' stats career stats against the Niners very interesting knee hard. <laughs> going off of what you were saying about efficiency and you know how they always have his way Aaron Rodgers has a 104.0 career pass rating against the Niners which is the highest of any starting quarterback against the 49ers in all time with a minimum of 10 starts at least so that's just something to lay out for you another very interesting thing that I did notice though was that Apparently, Aaron Rodgers like this is this is a short week for Green Bay. Keep in mind, they play it on Monday night. Now, Aaron Rodgers coming into this game when he basically has five or fewer rest days for the most part since two thousand and eighteen. He has the highest win percentage, the best touchdown interception ratio, and passer rating among starting quarterbacks since two thousand eight, with a minimum of ten starts as well.
2: Wow. I mean, yeah. I mean. What can you expect? Bro? Like, we know he's elite, you know, like interest. You know, yeah. He's I mean, you can't blame all of their losses against the Niners throughout these years, like on him. You know, I don't think it's they're but not losing because of him.
0: The, the reason the reason I brought that up is because I want to get rid of that notion. Like, I gotta defend my boy Aaron over here. Like, <laughs> like, like, yeah, we we suck, all right. We the Niners beat us, blah blah blah, but it's not it's not all on Aaron, you know, like how you said stuff like how can you control the fact that starting running back goes for 204 such. I was like, you know, it's absurd. Yeah. Um, but last thing I want to touch up on before closing today's podcast is switch it back to Jimmy Garoppolo, something that he did mention heading into this matchup. And, you know, with all this buzz about Aaron Rodgers, the whole trade stuff that happened, something that's, that's kind of brewing over there is that he said that he may most likely talk to Aaron Rodgers about, his uncertain future with the 49ers and how to go about it. So, yeah,
2: I, I saw that report as well. I mean, we, I think we all know this is probably going to be Jimmy G's last season in San Francisco um, mm-hmm. with the arrival of Trey Lance to the Bay. Um, I think Trey area is going to take over sooner than later. Um, so, you know, you know, Jimmy, gave us some good times, bro, but, you know, it's time to say goodbye. I think it's you know it's, it's, it's good. You talk to Rogers like he's going to be leaving too. You guys can leave together. Yeah. um so what you,
0: these uh, together where like you think they're gonna <laughs> sign with the same team and Jimmy was like, yeah I'll, I'll be dude. your back up. will like, I've already backed up another number 12 back in the day <laughs> I could do it again
2: <laughs> hey you never know bro I mean they, they could be they could be talking about their destinations I don't know they're you know they're not going to go to the same team but it's something it's something to look into for sure
1: okay if he's like hurt again and like he's gone for like a number of weeks i think yeah it's time to pull the plug on him and just like stick with trey lance but i think if he's able to have a healthy season and lead them to the playoffs which i think they will make the playoffs i think you need to keep him for a couple more years just so oh, maybe trey lance could
2: there's could get no that. way there's no i way
1: I, 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 I think the i think the 49ers management is too harsh on him like it's not it's unfair what he's gone through like like you've had your first winning season or like the first super, you went to the Super Bowl when he was a starter, like, just a couple years ago. Now, like, you'd think, like, with another quarterback, you can do that again. I don't know. It's not as easy as it looks. So, unless, like, the next quarterback that you get is super elite. Like, let's say you replace Jimmy G with, like, an Aaron Rodgers or a Russell Wilson type of quarterback. I'm just saying, throwing out there. Okay. Spitball Russell. Yeah, (laughs) I had to throw him in there, but
0: they're but not
2: going saying- to that, though. They're not going to do that because they drafted Trey Lance. They drafted Trey Lance for a reason. You don't trade up three first-round picks exactly. for a guy that you're going to, like, keep as a backup for two to three years. I don't understand this, like, notion, bro, honestly.
0: Here's the thing. Here's it's going to be thing. a mistake.
1: It's going to be a you know, mistake. Going off,
0: of, going off of Rohan's point, though, I mean, it's very true. Like, Chicago, too, you know, with Justin Fields, I think fans are just becoming impatient. They're like, start him, you know? I understand Chicago's approach with it in terms of like, they're like, we don't want to rush him into a bad situation. They don't want to mess it up. Um, and fortunately the 49ers are on a better end of it because Jimmy Garoppolo is serviceable. You know, he's, he's good enough to win games that they can be like, let's, let's wait a year. Let's take this. And I think that Trey Lance sitting here is going to do him more good than not realistically because Shanahan's offense is very tough to, I think execute at a high level. The thing is that the offense already above average, despite whoever you put in the quarterback, but it's who you put inside over there that, that is going to elevate that to a top 10, top five, possibly team. We notice it right now with Sean McVay and the Rams, you know, Sean McVay was absolutely phenomenal. By the way, Jared Goff, I was just seeing some crazy sap. He is winless without Sean McVay. As his head coach, he's Owen nine. So I mean, it just just shows the impact that the head coach has on on the game and on the offense. And the fact that now they have Stafford, do you see how the Rams are like, there's like this new life to their offense because they upgraded the quarterback position. Now, the fact that Kyle Shanahan, you know, the fact that they traded up and then they actually did so much studying on these guys, I'm going to trust, you know, who they drafted, why they drafted him. And there's a reason why I think that they didn't draft they didn't draft Chalin to be like, yeah, we're gonna plug him in on day one. They understand that I think he is he's not a project, but he has a little bit of work to do and that they're fine setting him for a season and then putting him in there. And the fact that you know Jimmy Garoppolo is accepting the fact that, you know, you know, when you draft someone number three, see Aaron Rodgers was different. He's a little bit older. The fact that he still drafts someone the first round sent him a message. He's like, is the clock ticking on me? And that's a rhetorical question because yeah, it is like realistically come on. They did that with Brett Favre. They drafted Aaron Rodgers, did it with Brett Favre. It's kind of like they're doing the same thing with Aaron too in Green Bay. But the thing is with, with San Francisco, like it's, it's, it's always Jimmy Garoppolo, I feel like has never been the true number one guy over there. And the fact that, you know, you go and draft someone number three overall, it, it makes a move very imminent very soon.
2: Yeah, I think we knew that Shan was, like, looking for different options um, for the last couple of years, especially since Jimmy's been hurt constantly. Um, but just before we end the pod, guys, I just want to know, like, what are your keys for a 49er win um, to all our listeners? You know, we're going to make this kind of, like, our last thing for every pod. I'm just going to, like, we'll, we'll, I want to look at, um, you know, what do you guys think are the big takeaways and how the 49ers can win this game on Sunday night, their home opener over a year? I
1: think they got to utilize Ayuk more in the past game and using jet sweeps I think their run game is going to be really important as well and also how their their cornerbacks do as well because obviously with Verette gone you need like someone to step up and I don't know you can stop Devontae Adams but you know hope to contain him right
2: Devante under 80 yards that was one of my keys if you hold yeah. yards, I think you win this game
1: wow
0: I take insult to that man it's like Davante's nice with it. Like he, he's no,
2: good. That's what I'm saying it's 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 gonna be hard. Like I don't think they're gonna do it, but I think if you can hold him under like 80, 85 yards, his prop bet right now is like 85 yards. So I think if you hold him under that, you uh-huh. should be able to win this game, you know.
1: Okay. And also, like Niners like having like a much higher time of possession, I think, when they can like milk the clock out with their run game, and that's gonna be really key as well. So just making sure Aaron Rodgers is off the field for as <laughs> for as long as yeah.
0: yeah I'd say I'd say I'm in mean, you know left tackle that's 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 the huge you know like I guess put whatever hazards caution sign on Aaron Rodgers because left side's coming so so I think they, they definitely need to figure that out um one thing I will say um Green Bay is losing one thing for sure on Sunday night and that's the uniform matchup <laughs> okay so like <laughs> I'll give the Niners the win over there. They're gonna they're gonna be looking pretty. They're gonna look nice and they're, and they're nice. 94 throwbacks. But um, to win the football game, it's uh, obviously, I guess you guys could say that I have bias if you want to say, you know, with the Packers winning this game, but I'd say it's more justified than not in years prior to this because I mean I, I know I know a loss when I see it. And this honestly, like like you said, Rohan, even Vegas is calling this a toss-up game. So score prediction.
2: I want your score prediction.
0: I'm going 30-24 Green Bay. Packers? Okay.
2: Um, I'm going to go th- – I think I think whoever gets to 30 is going to win this game. I'm going to say 31-23 Niners. I think they will cover the spread. I just think that uh, the Packers' defense is too bad and Nick Bosa is absolutely going to murder whoever's at left tackle for Green Bay.
1: <laughs> I call Niners 27-24. Yeah, okay. it's going to be really tight. Yeah, I think – I think it's going to come down to a game-winning field goal, either side. But I am going to have to stick with the Niners just because the home yeah. opener they have if, that energy.
2: If it comes I down feel to like a it's game, gonna win- be with- sorry, I didn't mean to cut you off. If it means if it comes down to a game-winning field goal, Niners are not winning this game. Robbie Gold has been struggling throughout preseason, um, so you know, Nihar, if your prediction comes correct, bro, I am going to be very upset. I don't think they're going to hit that game winner.
0: <laughs> just go in, just going to overtime, you know. Then we can maybe talk about another overtime game, like you know like this all right box. yeah let's right. not talk about that <laughs> <laughs> yeah, definitely but you know that's 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 that for the most part i hope you guys enjoyed this podcast again this is going to be coming to you guys weekly um nihar loved having you on man we're definitely going to bring you on for like more around the league stuff so you can start gloating and loving your russell wilson you know whatever you want to do i'm i can't believe we still had a solid 30 seconds to a minute of nihar saying that on a niners podcast but um, I hope you guys enjoyed that for the most part.
1: So, yep. so Russell Wilson about to get his 100th career win tomorrow. So stay tuned for that and go Hawks. Oh and my, of course, thank oh you for having God. me on.
2: Go We're Hawks on, on a Niners, niners pod.
1: Off on a Niners
0: pod with the go Hawks. Okay. <laughs> all right. But yep, that's all that we got for you guys today. Stay tuned for more at the panelist.pod. chan Ramachandran joined by Rohan and Nihar.